Around and around in my head it goes, that thought that won't leave me alone. It makes me feel lonely and it makes me feel scared. The thoughts that just keep coming and make it hard to focus on anything else. I keep focusing on it and telling it to go away, but it just gets worse. I feel guilty, ashamed, scared, overwhelmed, frustrated. It makes me feel lonely and it makes me feel scared. No one else feels like this. They all look normal and happy and so together. What is wrong with me? The thoughts keep coming, and I'm trying to fix this nervous, terrible feeling I have, and I want it to go away. I am so annoyed with it, but I think I need to keep thinking about it to solve the problem in just the right way so it will leave me. If I don't focus on it enough, then it won't be fixed, and I can't move on. I'm so tired. My body and brain feel tired. It makes me feel lonely, and it makes me feel scared. These are some of the many descriptions I hear often from people who struggle with anxiety. These conversations happen regularly with different people here at church, yet each person can feel very alone. This is the trick anxiety plays. It tells you that you are alone and that you need to solve the anxious dilemma that you have, which is unique to only you. It makes you feel embarrassed about it, and it often causes you to turn inward. And this does not cease because you are a Christian. These same thoughts come, and sometimes even different anxious dilemmas occur that are wrapped up in who we are before God and who God himself is. Anxiety can cast a shadow of doubt over our life and produce great affliction, leaving us feeling literally as if we are hanging on for dear life. This, however, is where we are different as Christians. We have a refuge that is our God, and we are not left alone. God gives himself to us and his word to cling to even when we feel like we can't stand and our mind and body are paralyzed with fear and dread. We must cling to his truth that he will not leave us or forsake us and be thankful that he gives us a family of believers. He gives us one another to help each other through life that can be hard we can lean on each other, and most importantly, importantly, we can point each other back to Jesus. I personally have struggled with anxiety in different forms over the years, and I've felt scared and alone because of it. But I have grown because of it as well. And I've watched others in my life and in this church family grow as well. Anxiety provides us with an opportunity to lean on God in a way that we might not otherwise. It is an area of vulnerability that allows us to lean on our Christian family, to be thankful for each other, to know that we are not alone, to be thankful for God who is an anchor for our soul and who promises us eternal peace that is to come. Whose idea was it to have her speak first? I knew there was a reason I wanted to speak at the end. Thank you, Sarah. Um, One writer has said that it's the dishonest Christian who pretends there is no anxiety in life. It's the dishonest Christian who pretends there is no anxiety in life. There is a reason too that the Bible talks about anxiety, about being anxious and worrying. And the reason is that God knows that we have things to worry about. 
Being anxious about something can be helpful, can't it, in the right measure, in the right way, at the right time, in the right quantity. Uh, If you worry about someone, you might just follow them up. If you worry about a task, you might just remember to get it done. Uh, But when we're thinking about anxiety, we usually mean the opposite, don't we? We're thinking about that kind of worry that paralyses you from making decisions, the kind of worry that causes you to forget things and to shut off from people, the kind of anxiety that causes you to feel sick to your stomach. Uh, Dr Arch Hart has helpfully talked about anxiety from a medical as well as a biblical point of view and he talks about anxiety as being not the presence of something bad but the absence of something good. When we're anxious, our brain is missing something. When we're anxious, our brain is missing some important neurotransmitters. Uh, And our anxiety, the reason that we have anxiety, is that our brain is trying to alert us to that important fact. So this is what our chart says, it says on the screen. Our brain is full of these messengers, these neurotransmitters. They help us remember, they keep us awake. And in the final analysis, they keep us sane. So when our brain is robbed of happy messengers, as when our stress is too high and prolonged, it cannot function properly. Anxiety is then the smoke alarm alerting us to the chaos. And that process is a very intelligent design of a master creator. Uh, Smoke alarms are very helpful, except when they keep going off without a fire. Uh, when the battery's flat, when the, mar- the wiring is mixed up and the alarm just goes off non-stop or possibly worse, you know when your smoke alarm starts letting out those intermittent little ear-piercing screeches for no reason. Uh, anxiety is like that smoke alarm. There's no fire but it's letting out those little intermittent ear-piercing beeps. And that might be because of our personality or because of our family history or our circumstances or our brain chemistry. Anxiety is up and firing even when there's no fire. In pastoral ministry over the last 10 years, I have to say that rates of anxiety amongst people in churches, I think, has gone through the roof. It seems to me that we've produced a culture where expectations are so high and stress so constant that many are in a constant state where their smoke alarm is going off. We need better patterns of rest, we need better patterns of exercise and diet, we need better patterns of disconnecting from the lights of our screens and from the noise of social media, myself included. Many of us need to speak to our GP. You've heard me say that in this series already. Many of us will need a mental health plan that enables us to take the next step of counselling, to talk out some of our triggers of anxiety, to help gain strategies to deal with anxiety when it lobs up on our doorstep uninvited. But as Christians... We also need better habits, better patterns of meditating on God's word, of depending upon God in prayer. We need better patterns of meditating on God's promises, of being accountable. 
The truths of God's word and the bedrock of his promises give us the resources in the midst of anxiety that we really shouldn't underestimate. The reason that we hear so many times in the New Testament, do not be anxious, is because God knows you and he knows where you live. God knows how you think. God knows you exactly as you are and he loves you all the same. The reason God tells you not to be anxious isn't because he doesn't get it. The reason God doesn't the reason God tells you not to be anxious isn't because he wants to sweep it under the carpet. The reason God tells you not to be anxious is because he is your loving heavenly father who cares for you, whose shoulders are infinitely broader than you could ever imagine. And he wants you to cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. When Jesus commands you not to be anxious, he does so with compassion and love and a desire for you to rest in him. My burden is light, Jesus said. So come to me and I will give you rest. I want you to hear that tone, that compassion, that love when you hear Jesus say, don't be anxious. And for those of us who care for friends or spouses or co-workers or housemates who struggle with anxiety, we need to hear the same tone, don't we? so that when we seek to care for people, we will have that same tone, the tone of compassion and patience and care that Jesus has. Because here's the hot tip, glibly whacking your friend to the side of the head with Jesus' command, do not be anxious, doesn't help them and it doesn't reflect his character. So what we want to do this morning is simply look at Jesus' words and I want us just to count up the reasons Jesus gives for us not to be anxious. Why? So that we ourselves might have some resources, the resources that God's word provides to come to our Saviour in the midst of our anxiety and so that we might have some resources to care for and help those around us. Jesus says, don't be anxious. Why? First reason, life is more important than things. Have a look at verse 25, chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Uh, just uh, in the holidays, Dan and I went down to the Royal National Park and we walked the coast track, soaking in views like this. Uh, it's beautiful, it's stunning, it's so close, you should go do it. Um, but at one point in the track, there is now a new view. There is this view. And why, in the midst of this beautiful, picturesque, panoramic views do we have a whopping great big fence and warning signs. Can you read the warning? The warning says don't risk your life for a photograph. Why? Because it's become an Instagram location. 
where people risk their lives for a bunch of likes on social media. And here's the thing. I think much of our anxiety is ramped up by our comparison, comparing our lives to the lives of those around us or the lives we think those around us are living. We compare our lives to the fake world of social media and the facade that we're often presented with. And the task of comparison, I think, is the thief of joy. It robs you of joy and is an engine room for anxiety. Life is more than food and clothes and Instagram destinations. I think Jesus, if he was here, might say, walk the track, forget the picture. Life is more than food and clothes. It's more important than Instagram destinations. Number two, you're more important than the birds. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus so helpfully makes these arguments all the time, doesn't he? From the lesser to the greater. If this is true, how much more is this true? If God looks after the birds, if he cares for the birds, if the birds are provided with, with no infrastructure or help, if God cares for them, how much more does God care for you? You are made in his image, not the birds. Jesus came to save you, not the birds. Jesus promises to lead you beside quiet waters and lay you down in green pastures. He doesn't promise that to the birds. So when you see the birds soaring carefree, when you hear the birds chirping in the trees, remember, you are valuable. You are made in the image of God. You are loved by your heavenly Father. You are the object of his desire and his love seen in the cross of his dear son. You are precious in his sight. Uh, Knowing that this topic was coming, a friend from our church sent me an email during the week that so helpfully articulated the experience of anxiety for them. This is what they wrote. My anxiety stripped back so much of my personality and strength that I was left feeling like a shell of my former self. But in that I was really forced to cling to the truth of grace alone and the fact that my identity was in Christ. Not in my interpersonal skills, not in what I give people in relationships, not in my ability to work or perform. At times it was like hanging off a rock in the middle of a storm with the waves beating and your fingernails torn and bloody and your grip slipping and desperate, but the rock never moved. That was brought home to me in a new and painfully real way because all the purchases I had on myself for my own self-confidence and worth were stripped away and I just had these objective truths about Jesus to cling to even when I didn't feel them. 
I was also often overwhelmed by my own sinfulness, saw very little good in myself, so I had to keep returning to Christ for all my hope and worth. That was something that was good for my faith and my understanding of my status before God. I was covered by his blood. Life is more important than things. You are more important than the birds. You are loved by your heavenly Father. Number three, do not be anxious because it doesn't achieve anything. Verse 27, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Have you ever heard someone say, I knew the exam would be hard, so I worried a lot and it got me through? Yeah, I managed to be anxious the whole flight, so that way we didn't crash. The doctor was unsure what it was, what it was so he prescribed for me some anxiety and now I'm better. No one's ever said those things, right? Because we know that being anxious doesn't achieve anything. Worrying about something doesn't solve it. And that's not to dismiss the feelings that we have in the middle of our anxiety, but suggest that we need strategies in the midst of our anxiety, the illogical, the irrational thoughts. We need strategies in the midst of that to be able to go to Jesus, to be able to be reminded of what is rational, what is logical, what is true, when our brain won't tell us those things. (coughs) Somehow in the midst of our anxiety, we need strategies to be reminded that though I may not know what the future holds, I know the one who holds the future. I may not know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine came to our house in, at late at night and we sat in my study and then I was speaking to him words about Jesus, about the hope that we have, about the truths of his identity, his love by his heavenly Father, Jesus died for his sins. All these things that in the, mix, in the midst of anxiety seem basic and seem like they're not really helping and I didn't know what else to say and felt totally ill-equipped to help. But as I rehearsed to him the truths of the gospel that I knew he already knew, he stopped me and said, I know all this. I know all this. But I just need you to keep telling me that now. I just need you to keep telling me that now. I need someone else outside of my brain to keep reminding me of the truths of the gospel. You're loved by your heavenly Father. You're the object of his love. Jesus died for your sins. You have a sure and certain hope in him. So here's here's my encouragement for you. When your anxiety is getting you nowhere and swirling around in your own irrational and illogical thoughts and conversations going on inside your own head, Speak up.
speak up to a friend who can talk to you about the things you already know, about the truths of the gospel that are trustworthy and rational and simple. We want to be the kind of church where people feel safe to speak up, where people feel safe to to share. We want to keep remembering that we're not a gym full of people who are on show. We are a hospital full of people who are in need. Speak up. And if someone speaks up to you, if a friend shares how they're feeling and how their anxiety has them paralysed, rehearse to them, be armed and ready with the truths of the gospel. You are loved by your heavenly Father. You are an object of his love. Jesus died for your sins. You have a certain hope of the resurrection. If you're struggling to find those words to say, to point a brother or sister to the anchor of the gospel, here's a good place to start. Number four, you are known by your heavenly Father. You are known by your heavenly Father. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he much more, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. If God just makes gorgeous flowers and dresses up the world for our enjoyment and his, how much more will he care for you who is made in his image his beloved son or daughter. You see, if you are without God, if you are without hope in the world, there is every reason to be anxious. If you are without God and without hope in the world, then there is every reason that you should just run after food and drink and clothes and Instagram likes. But when you know the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, the Lord of mercy and compassion, the God of justice and salvation, when you know God or more so when you are known by God, then you can cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Someone from our church posted this verse on Instagram this week, a good use of social media. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The key is that you cast your anxiety in the direction of God. You don't cast it into the deep blue sea or the emptiness of a tranquil mind. You cast it in the direction of your heavenly Father whose shoulders are infinitely broad and whose care for you is deeper than the sea. Anxiety is one of those deep problems that doesn't have a quick solution. And as you 
cast your anxiety on him knowing that he cares for you. You need to be patient and you need to continue to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's number five, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, these words of Jesus come in Matthew's Gospel in the midst of Jesus framing what life in his kingdom is meant to look like. He wants us to see that there is much freedom from worry and anxiety when you realise that Jesus sets you free from pursuing the kingdom of your own success or the kingdom of your own safety or the kingdom of your own self-sufficiency. When Jesus sets you free from that and brings you into the kingdom of the Saviour, then you're able to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that you can trust him to take care of the rest. Again, our friend emailed me and said this, Anxiety can make it hard to pray, hard to read your Bible, hard to sit through a sermon, come to church or go to growth group. But that doesn't make you any less of a Christian in that season. We want to keep struggling and battling in the midst of anxiety to engage with God, his word and his people, but when we can't, that's not failure. When we can't, that's not failure. (coughs) There is a man in our church who is riddled with anxiety when he walks through the doors of the church. And you know what he does? He does it anyway. Why? Because he knows that being in the community of God's people, hearing God's word, being pointed to God's son, is where he needs to be in the midst of that anxiety. Even when he doesn't feel it. Keep engaging with God and being with his people. Don't go into yourself. And finally, let tomorrow be anxious for itself. Verse 34. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's a guarantee for you. There will be things to worry about tomorrow. That will be true each day until the eternal rest of the new creation. Corey Ten Boom said this great quote. We don't put kind of bric-a-brac around our house, but this is one that we have up in our kitchen. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. She said it in the midst of a Nazi concentration camp where there was plenty to worry about and she knew that she had a Heavenly Father who cared for her and that you can cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares. I'm going to hand over to Sarah as we come to the end. I'm going to read you a poem that someone in our church family wrote quite recently. She captures so well her own struggle with anxiety and how God has worked within that struggle and continues to work in that struggle for her. 
I hope that this will give you comfort. She hopes that this will give you comfort, um, that you are not alone, and, it rem- and that it will remind you of the great hope that we have because of Jesus. Um, so this poem kind of captures a bit of the wrestle that we can have if we've got anxiety about our own Christian life and where we stand with God. Am I really his? Does he love me? All these kinds of questions that for people who really struggle with anxiety can kind of filter into your own Christian life and create those ruminating kind of thoughts on and on. So that's kind of, that's what this poem is about. And um, I hope that it will give you some hope and peace to know that if you wrestle with these things that you're not alone. Easy is the Christian life, a naive young girl said. I get to do whatever with Jesus as my bread. The one above looked down, with love he shook his head. That girl, she needs more growing, to see me all instead. And gently as a father, he took her by the hand. My daughter, come, I'll show you my good and promised land. And as she walked with him and joined the other sheep, she rejoiced with all the others and found peace during sleep. The other one grew jealous. He said, ooh, I was so close. So finding out her weakness is what he needed most. And on a day of worry, where dark became the skies, the evil one he entered and started weaving lies. Narrow is the gate of heaven, that's what Jesus said. How do you know you're going? You're sinful and you're dead. This gate I've already entered, the wounded girl did cry. My Jesus did it for me, surely I won't die. But does he even love you, that hard and bitter heart? I can see that you are doubtful. From him can you depart? The girl became more anxious. With terror she cried out, My Lord, my Lord, where are you? Help me overcome my doubt. Have I become complacent and turned away from you? My Lord that gave me everything, why can't I see you? But firmly in his promise, the Almighty One above had held this girl with strength and clothed her with his love. You are my precious daughter. I know you by your name. And through my only son, you are loved and you are saved. And as she looked beyond to the man upon the cross, though weak of faith, she whispered, For me, O Lord, you lost. Your father and your spirit, the one you needed most. And in that dreadful hour, while nailed to that post, You did it for your enemies, of one that I most am, but sin and shame you've taken as the holy risen lamb. My Jesus, help me know you. I know sometimes I doubt, but Lord, I know you hold me with you my life throughout. Though weary, I will press on. With weakened knees, I'll shout. My Lord, my King, you've risen, and even through my doubt, I'll look to you with joy, Though weary, I'll rejoice. It's not my strength, but yours. And soon I'll hear your voice. Press on, my precious daughter. Through this you are refined. Rejoice in all the suffering, always knowing you are mine.